Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon father i've come to seek your counsel i am having problems in metropolis my son you may not remember me i may look a little different from you it's because i before sending you to earth made you look like a human but really i am very round and full of poppy seeds, and maybe a little bit of cream cheese. Father, your use of metaphor is quite intriguing. I didn't realize it was a metaphor. I thought I really looked like a poppy seed bagel. <laughs> Wait, let me get this straight. Let me turn on the hologram. Oh my god! Yes, I was telling you, son. I was trying to warn you before you turned on the hologram. Kryptonians are sentient bagels. That's pretty much it. So, how exactly did I get to look like this, father? I experimented on a lot of animals. You could have been a contender for other animals, but I decided a human would probably be best. Wow. Anyway, my son, what type of guidance did you want on this, the day of my daughter's wedding? I've sort of lost the thread because I can't believe that I have bagel DNA. When you initially said that you were round, I thought it just meant that you were rotund, a little bit plump. Please don't body shame me. We're very progressive over in Krypton. I thought it was Krypton, but okay. No, I call it Krypton. Believe me, I always paid 19 million dollars to call it Krypton. Okay, so anyway, I've been having problems with a girl at work. You see, she likes me, but not for who I am. It's hard to explain. Do you have any advice about human women? I only have one. You gotta make her an offer she can't refuse. What does that mean exactly, father? It means whatever you want it to be, my son. But for this, this advice, you have to promise, when you come back, one day, I'll ask you a favor, and you will say yes. Here you go, my son. Let me sprinkle some poppy seeds on you. Uh, okay. Let me... Alright. And please, I hope, I hope this girl, she's Jewish. Uh, don't know why that matters, but, um, I'll ask. It's because 
Of your creators, Siegel and Schuster, they were Jewish. I thought you were my creator, father. Well, I was also created by Shugo and Suster. So who created them? Rao, come on, it's Kryptonian culture. This is deep. Uh, welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. I am once again the man who knows too much about Batman, but we are not talking about Batman today. Plot twist. All right, this is Ben, and with me is... It's Andrew, everybody. How's it going? Let me just say, I'm going to take my mic off. Fuck this stand. <laughs> I'm excited. Breaking the rules already. I'm excited for Superman. Let me just put that out. <laughs> I mean, of course I love the bat, but it's nice yes. to have a change of pace Hopefully, every now yeah. and again. I mean, we did Superman a little bit before. Yeah. Did I say my name is Andrew, if you're first time joining here? <laughs> um, but uh, it's Andrew, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. Let's do it, Ben. All right, so as you guys can see, if you're watching the YouTube version, we are going to be covering Superman, specifically the Superman movie from 1978. Woo! However, there is such an epic story on how this movie got made that this episode will solely cover how that actually got made. So we will not be covering the movie stuff yet, but don't worry, it is arguably just as interesting as the actual movie. This is a deep dive <laughs> into the build-up so, to Superman 78. Because Superman 78, it's... it's I mean, let's face it. It is without it, there would be no superhero movies, no Marvel movies. It is the quintessential origin superhero movie. It's the first legit yeah. one. We had Superman and the Mole Men. Yeah, and like maybe it was, a Shazam movie, made-for-TV movies. Yeah, all serials yeah. from the '40s or stuff that was like TV spinoffs, like the Batman right. '66 one. Right, right, right. And sure, they're enjoyable for what they are, but this is the first time where they're like, "Hey, this is an actual. Let's like treat the drama of this. Not this is not for laughs. Serious take. Right." One, I mean, the only fact that comes to me right now is had the most expensive opening credits of all time. <laughs> we'll go in a little bit into that, I think. But uh, if we get that far, if we get that far. <laughs> in this one, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. But I mean, it's most known for director Richard Donner, John Williams score, but of course Christopher Reeve as Superman, Marco Kidder as Lois Lane. But yep, just yep. to give you guys a little bit of preview. This episode is about how we almost didn't get Richard Donner as director, almost didn't get John Williams as composer, oh, shit. almost didn't get Christopher Reeve or Margot Kidder in these roles either. 78, so John Williams was just coming off of Star Wars. And Jaws, yeah. And Jaws. Yeah. What year was Jaws again? I want to say 75, 76. Oh, yeah, something like that. So yeah. it's before even Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, But yeah, John Williams is really ramping up at this time. Yeah, but you yeah. Can't, I can't imagine this movie without those components. I mean, yeah, no one Especially can Especially really. the Superman yeah. theme. Yeah. So we'll go we'll jump right into it. But first off, I want to do a quick corrections department Woo. on our Dark Detective deep dive. We had a bit of a discussion on Neil Adams and I said that uh, he may be a flat earther. Uh, <laughs> I, I looked it up. Oh man, I love it. And it turns out he is not a flat earther at all. He is something very wild and interesting. Apparently, he believes that the earth is growing. Okay, I got to tell you, I don't yeah. think it's as bad as Flat Earthers. I'm sorry if you have agree, Flat Earther fans out there, but if you believe the Earth is growing, at least that leaves room for the Earth still being round. <laughs> yes. I think it's very important <laughs> that you know that the Earth is round. <laughs> Spherical, as yes. it were. Yes. So, um, you know, Neil Adams, even though you made fun of me and my film <laughs> at a convention... Uh, I'm still, <laughs> I'll still, I'll let the slide because yeah. everybody's allowed their weird beliefs, right? You know, exactly. so so it's fine. Just wanted to clear that air in case anybody saw that episode and is like, oh my god, Neil Adams is a flat earther. He is not, 
but he does believe in some interesting theories about the Earth. I mean, I like Grant Morrison, and he believes in all kinds of bullshit. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> so just throwing it out there. Oh, uh, so shit. let's see. Let us then jump into the beginning of the Superman movie. So uh, just like in the development of the 89 Batman movie, which you guys can check out when we talk about the uh, in our backlog, Ben reviews the Batman script from 1982, uh, there was Michael Huslin, who was very much about, like, I want to make a serious Batman movie. I want right. to get this made. Right. I'm a producer. Let's do this shit. And it took him 10 years. Yes. If we were to have an equivalent, it would be a man named Ilya Salkind. Okay. So, right. uh, Salkind had a bit more of an advantage over Yuslin. Yuslin was like a you know former college professor, worked at DC. He did do produ- he did produce movies, and okay, stuff, but he wasn't nearly as big as the Salkinds. The Salkinds were huge. Okay, yeah. Uh, this this, this name is familiar. I might yeah. have heard this from Kevin Smith podcast yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah, these guys are very important for the development of this. So, and he, they are not American, correct? They're not. They are not American. They are also immigrants. Yes. yes. Right. So, so they're trying to tell very, the ultimate immigrant story. That's true too. Actually, yeah. I did that. That did not come up when I was reading the research on it, but that makes a lot of sense. I think that there's there's obviously something going on there. Yeah, yeah. Probably, definitely, probably. Definitely. Uh, so it's a father-son team, the, the Salkinds. We, okay. When we call them the Salkinds, referred to Ilya and his father, Alexander. Okay. Uh, but Ilya was the one who, like, he, this was the, his brainchild. Alexander did not really know that much about Superman okay. uh, before this. Uh, the previous credits included uh, The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers, which were two movies in 1973, uh, with Richard Lester as director. Now, the reason why that's significant is because, A, Richard Lester would go on to direct Superman 2 and 3. Okay. Uh, but oh, also, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This started the whole... It was the first idea of filming multiple movies back-to-back. Ah, uh, they've never done the that before. It came from the Salkinds, yeah. Wow. And that actually led to a dispute in SAG in terms of, like, wait, did you pay for one movie or two movies uh, <sighs> yeah. to your cast Yeah, that would crew? be problematic. So this resulted in what is now called in every SAG contract a Salkind clause requiring that an actor be compensated for each film. Wow. That he or she is part of. That's interesting. So yeah. you guys can thank the Salkinds for screwing that up. To, 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 <laughs> to give a little that. bit of insight, I mean, I'm not like in the producing game or whatever, but I mean, we're both in the film industry in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And like the way a movie or a TV show works, especially a movie, even yeah. though there's a company like Warner Brothers at the top, the movie itself almost functions as like a miniature company mm-hmm. for a while. <laughs> so it's like yeah. that company has hired you f- for that company. And then when that company's done, mm-hmm. I guess the way they're looking at it is in Superman two, that's they're moving on to the next company. I don't know how it works. But yeah. It, it just kind of has a vibe of like the movie itself is a company that's a, it's a subsidiary of Warner brothers in a sense. Right. Yeah. That's the vibe. It, it's kind it of kinda, yeah. that I get from mm-hmm. it. So that was what they were mostly known for in the 70s. And Ilya Salkine comes up with the idea for a Superman movie in 1973. Yeah. So it doesn't take nearly as long for him to get Superman off the ground as it did for poor Michael Uslan. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, man. Like, Superman was really OG. And then Uslan was the one that turned it around and to where Batman's really number one and stayed yeah. that way for a long time. And Superman, everybody thinks Superman's lame now. But there was a, there was a long time where... Superman comics outsold Batman. Yeah, Superman was more I mean, popular than Batman. Look at that radio show that yeah, we covered, where yeah. Batman was like seemed like he was the lamest thing. Yeah, he would just they didn't and they didn't <laughs> figure out Batman for a while. Superman kind of came out more or less figured out. Mm-hmm. Exactly, seemingly anyway. Uh, so funny enough, just like how the Mark of Zorro. Uh, according to Frank Miller, was the movie that sort of slightly inspired Bruce Wayne to become Batman. Yeah, Zorro was kind of an inspiration for Ilya Salkind. So his clearest, ah. his his 
basically his first memory of getting this idea is when he saw a billboard for a Zorro movie in the 70s. Okay. And I think that was the one, because he said it's for a French film, so I think that was the one with Alain Delon, um, who was okay. a French actor who played Zorro randomly enough. Have not seen it. Um, I have not either, but apparently it's on Amazon Prime, so I guess oh, I'll check it, it out really? sometime. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Uh, so he's just like, okay, costume hero, what's probably the biggest costume hero out there, in my mind? Superman. Okay. And especially it's built for American audiences because he's very much a producer. He wants to make sure he right. gets butts and seats. Right, right, right. So they have to go to Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers does own DC property at this point. And this is the point where they get literally laughed out of rooms well, for not, a long time? Not quite. So this is not like this is not quite like Michael Usen's journey. Okay. Uh, because again, the Salkines already have clout. Okay. Uh, and so they have a little bit more power in terms of how to make this thing go. Okay. Uh, Warner Brothers, however, is still not interested in making it because in their mind, any comic book stuff, even though they own DC properties, any comic book thing is going to be Adam West. You know, Adam West. Oh, yeah, that's the only stuff. thing at this point, huh? That's the big, that's the big From thing. From 66 to 78. Yeah, yeah, and sure, like there was yeah. a George Reeves show, but like that was like decades ago at this point. That was 10 years before... Before Adam West, Adam West yeah. yeah. Sadly, there was uh, yeah. Sadly, there was no Superman show at the same time as Inter- Batman show. Interesting to think, like so that Adam West ends in sixty nine, so mm-hmm. we have basically less than ten years between Adam West to seventy eight Superman. Which wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. They start filming obviously two years probably yeah. before that. Yeah, which is I think we came up in the in the right time where it was like superhero movies were kind of few and far between and now yeah. suddenly it's it's ramped up. I would have hated to have lived in, you know, the 70s or 80s where you're just like, That's oh man, thing. are we going to get a Batman movie? Growing, I mean, growing up in the 90s, it was like we got one every now and again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Obviously we got Batman movies, mm-hmm. but I mean, not, well, yeah, X-Men came in 2000. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, the 90s were... I think the 90s were kind of a weird era for movies. Yeah, just in general, yeah. 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 It was lower quality overall compared to the 80s when it comes to just genre filmmaking, I think. Yeah, they're not as, like, classic, it feels. I mean, People God. don't have the same nostalgia for it. How many... It just seems like we had, like... Think about Ghostbusters. It, you know, it's just one example, but, like, mm-hmm. it seems like the 80s had, like, a bunch of properties that had music along with it, and the music was also classic as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, was it Ray Parker Jr. song? Yeah. Like, that, I mean, we had Men in Black, but that's, that's not quite I the think, same. it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it's not... Uh, it's not nearly as memorable. Not nearly as memorable as, yeah, as the Ray Parker Jr. You can one. do lyrics to Ghostbusters, but, like, on the spot, do you know any of the lyrics of Men in Black, other than the Men chorus, in Black? No, and the chorus also taken from a fucking older song. I hear the older song now. <laughs> that's one of the ones I didn't know. I, I grew up with, a, like, a lot of older music, thanks mm-hmm. to my mom. I did not know that was based on another one, but it's, like, highly sampled from an older song. Every time I hear the older song, now it comes on... I don't know. I don't even listen to the radio that much, but <laughs> anyway, to make a long story short. I always think it's Men in Black, and then the fucking other people are singing. <laughs> I always, yeah, I always think yeah. it's Will Smith about to say something. Got it. Back to Superman. Back to Superman, though. So the Salkines can do something that Usland can't when he tries to do Batman, which okay. is they do the negative pickup deal. What that means is that the Salkines have the money to make the entire fucking thing, and all Warner Brothers has to do is distribute it. Where I gotta ask, where are they getting their money? I don't know. Okay, we're gonna Some look at this. Shit. I mean, maybe previous productions, because again, like they're pretty big at this point. Yeah, so they're, they're coming in with clout, yeah. and a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna. I'd like to know this for the next time. <laughs> so, if you out there know, please like, comment. Warner Brothers is like, all right, cool. We there's, we can't say no to that. So they're down for it, and the sound kinds get the rights. And apparently, what's part of this deal is that they have access to any character that's ever been in a Superman comic. 
which okay. means, according to Ilya, that if they wanted to, they could have had a Justice League. They oh, could wow. have had Wonder Woman, Batman, Flash. He's basically was like, we couldn't do Batman on his own, but we could put Batman in a Superman movie. And immediately That's I was just like, interesting. could you imagine a Batman just show up randomly in like Superman 3 with Christopher Reeve? It would have changed the course. Like people would have seen superhero movies as mainly team up movies for a long time. Yeah, probably. if they decided to do you know, that. Yeah. yeah. So it would have been Batman and Robin at least. Probably too. Yeah. You know, from the from the get go. And I imagine it, it might have even have been a different costume than Michael Keaton's. I'm imagining him in like Neil Adams blue yeah, and gray. And that's shit, true. It know? probably it would have been a lot lighter. Yeah, because like Michael Keaton was the first time there was a Batman in a black outfit. Oh well, yeah, yeah. And so he's never been black before. It was that. it was all multicolored in the gray and black. Yeah, the, the gray whole and black. time pretty much. Serials, he's you can kind of see it's pretty close. So Burton is the one that was like, okay, it's we're going all black. black. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting because yeah. I mean, I saw that movie before I saw obviously the Betas. Mm-hmm. So I mean, really, you know, we talk about this all the time, but yeah. that was my first Batman. So my right. first Batman really is that black suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same yeah, here. Yeah, Same yeah, yeah. On that. So 1974, they get the rights to this, and so it's Ilya, his father Alexander, and his, and basically their producing partner named Pierre Spengler. So it's okay. these three. And they're like, okay, the first thing we need to do is figure out who's writing this thing. Uh, so who's the best writer in the, Hollywood? Well, on the rec- guy that fucking wrote The Godfather, <laughs> baby, Mario Puzo. Oh, Mario Puzo, uh, who's credited, however, he was not the first person they turned to. Okay. Uh, Julie Swartz, who's who was the main one running DC Comics at the time, mm-hmm. he recommends Alfred Bester, who we actually mentioned in the radio episode. Interesting. He was the author of the Green Lantern Oath, and his wife, Raleigh Bester, was the original Lois Lane actress on the radio. Okay. The very first one to bring her to life. Uh, however... Uh, Alexander Salkind felt this guy's not famous enough. We need a big name <laughs> for this script. So I, sorry, Alfred like, Bester. I don't know if you know how much money I do have, <laughs> and uh, I'm willing to spend a little bit more. Yeah, let me just put it that way. Who's the best you got? So they get <laughs> the Godfather author himself, Mario Puzo. I realized that I think in high school because I was getting yeah. the film Godfather's brought up. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Stillis and Kane and all that shit. I know the name Mario Puzo. Then look at yeah. Superman's like as a fucking same guy. Yeah, it's really surprising at first. Yeah, it you is. You know what I mean? It is. But apparently he was enough of a Superman fan, or he liked he liked the what he felt was like a Greek mythology, Greek tragedy aspect to it's, it. It's all yeah, it's yeah. all there. So and he, he what this guy did exactly what Yuzan was talking about. I mean, they get the Godfather guy. I love. I just love that aspect. Like like, hey, I can write serious gangster shit, but I can also give a really well done, endearing, still comic booky uh, feel to this character right. as well. You know, we're making the first real one. Mm-hmm. Here's 400 pages of a script. <laughs> I know we're going to get there, but apparently it was 500 actually. 500. It was a 500 plus page script that was kind of the foundation for both Superman and Superman Two. So that's two movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, even then, yeah. if you split that in half, that's 250 pages for one movie. Yeah. <laughs> so. So and also another film industry insight yeah rule of thumb is uh, a page a minute so generally a 90 page movie is an hour and a half Mm -hmm. generally of course that changes but it's generally how people look at it so 250 minutes 
It's fucking an epic. It's that's ridiculous. It, it'd be right out the gate being like, "Fuck it, we're end game already." Like, yeah, we're already yeah. three hour epic. Yeah, Superman yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Um, Which is, I mean, I would have seen that shit, but I can see why they wanted to cut it. This is one of those scripts that I wish was on the internet because I want to read it. Yes, all five hundred pages on a rainy day. Just sit down, Fuck put on yeah. some of that John Williams me? score, listen to the original Mario, or what? Read the original Mario Puzo draft. Would be fantastic. DC Warner Brothers, listen to <laughs> us right now, okay? You uh, put that out there, you sell it for like 10 bucks on Kindle. Don't even have to really publish different. it. Yeah, that's true. You know? You just get a good scanner. Get a good scanner, put that out there on Amazon <laughs> yeah. or get some fucking thing on DC Universe. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, put it on your DC Universe I'll say I would app. love it. The DC Universe ha- Infinite had like access to all these scripts that were so never scripts? released. That's a good idea, yeah, actually. Batman Unchained, you know? Put us in charge. Look, Please. I can scan scripts, okay? <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> Where we used to work, there was a place that scanned. Oh, yeah? They, I went to this Scripts room. specifically? No, they scanned comics for, I think, DC oh. Universe. Oh, interesting. Or it was at the office that I think you weren't there. I don't want to give too okay, much info okay, on right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I get it. I walked in the room like, yeah, we're scanning comics. And I was like, oh, shit. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, apparently at the comics at the time, Clark Kent was a TV reporter. Okay. Uh, and Puzo was told by the Salkines, don't make him a TV reporter because we just did a survey and everybody remembers him at the Daily Planet. And uh, probably that's because of the George Reeves show, if I'm going to guess. Probably, yeah. Or people who grew up with it were thinking more of the comics they were reading, which was yeah. years ago, not the ones that were currently out there. Yeah. It's funny because we always say, you know, it's not my Batman, not my whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Smith said that whenever he was like, God, a teenager, mm-hmm. he and his dad go see in 78 in the theater, Superman oh, 78. Yeah. And he, his dad said, ah, it's not my Superman. It's, 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 George, Reeves. it's George, George Reeves was his. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's just this generation thing. Mm-hmm. Even though, I mean, it was a great interpretation in most people's opinion, I think. Yeah. But yeah. it's just, you know, people grow up with different shit. But yeah, the George Reeves one, yeah, I can see people just still, you know, even though the comics had mm-hmm. moved on, yeah. I can see that still being in the collective unconscious at the time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know? So uh, that was enough in there that they had to make sure that he was still at the Daily Planet in it. Yeah. Um, Puzo at one point said that he did what he could. He wrote a second draft and then he left. He said, I'm out. So okay. uh, the Salkine still wanted writers on it. So that's when we get the next writing team. Okay. Robert Benton and David Newman. Now, why were they hired? Because they wrote the Superman musical. <laughs> Oh, there was a super- Do we have any uh, footage of that? <laughs> like with the Batman musical? It was actually, it was produced, unlike the Batman musical, and it was made into a television movie in oh, 1975. That's right. It's called It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. You know, fucking Danny O'Neill, not Danny O'Neill, our, fa- our friend Neil Adams, he was telling me, not me, I've seen interviews <laughs> of him saying this, he, uh, he had to get Siegel and Schuster, like, tickets to it because DC oh, was not yeah, yeah. giving them any money yeah. at all. I think um was it Siegel? I forget. One of them is like pretty much completely blind, legally blind oh, at that Jesus. point because yeah. he always had eye problems. Uh-huh. And he was working in like some fucking like stamp shop or some shit. It's really sad, dude. Jeez. And then Neil Adams had to fight for them. Again, this is Neil Adams being a cool guy. Yeah. We just took a shit on him <laughs> earlier. But he had to fight for them to get actual fucking money. Yeah. And he was like, he told uh, Siegel and Schuster, hey, do you see the uh, you see the play on Broadway? He's like, no, I can't afford it. 
Jesus. Because, you know, those tickets are like $300, $400 a person. Yeah. It's like, are you Craver's fucking kidding Superman me? can't even see their own goddamn play. That's ridiculous, yeah. dude. Yeah. Anyway, back Jeez. to happier things. Yeah, but so um, Benton, yeah, Benton and Newman. And Benton became too busy directing at one point, so they brought in another writer who was David's wife. Uh, Leslie, and she was basically brought on to punch up Lois Lane, which sounds like they were like, "You're a woman, right? Write the write the female part. You're you're like a girl, right?" <laughs> <laughs> he was woke though; he didn't want to assume gender. Okay, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, their script was submitted in 1976. However, it was said to be extremely campy, and we'll get into that when I compare the script to the movie in the future episodes that we'll do on this movie. Uh, but it was not. Really, well, I mean, the sound clients liked it, but when we get into the guys who actually made the movie, yeah, they were like, "This is not how we're going to do this. We okay. have to take this seriously." So okay. this idea of even taking Superman seriously didn't quite sink in yet. It was they, just, they didn't really quite get it. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I mean, I'm sure Puzo had the whole feeling of Greek tragedy stuff, but I'm sure the sound clients were like, "It's too." They might, maybe they thought it was too serious. I don't know. I haven't read the script. Right, right, but right. Maybe they thought, "Let's add some humor to punch it up," and right. so. These writers from the Superman musical were like, "You want humor? Let's throw it into every page." And so that's what they did. Uh, Stupid shit, probably. So Superman, Superman two are now four hundred pages combined. So they cut 100 pages and good. added a lot of That's I camp. A lot of, so, lot of stupid jokes, probably. But also 200 pages per each movie, still. Yeah. So 200 minutes. That's still too much. Yeah. Uh, but whatever the case is, they're trying to get two hours, 120, right? So. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're, exactly. We're three hours? Well over, yeah. Well I'm over better at language than math, I gotta say. I agree. I'm same here. Yeah, same oh, really? Here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I can't. I just can't fucking. Yeah, same. Sorry. Here. Correct our math in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us how many hours that would be. Uh, but anyway, they're still looking for a director as they're getting this script okay. done, and they go through everybody. So here's who were, who was asked Peter Yates, Sam Peckinpah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Famous. William Friedkin from okay. The Exorcist. Francis Ford Coppola. Okay. Uh, Yates, Peter Yates apparently wanted to do it. Uh, John Gearman, uh, Richard Lester, who would be the one who would actually direct Superman 2 and 3. Okay. Uh, Peckinpah apparently had a meeting with Ilya Salkind that led to... I guess they didn't get along too well because legend has it, according to Ilya, Peckinpah drew a gun on him. What? He's <laughs> a real <laughs> cowboy? <laughs> yes. Drew a gun on him? How yes, does that happen? I don't know, but I guess they did not get along too well. So... That was the end of that. Peck and Paul was not going to direct Superman. The, like Hollywood from the eighties <laughs> and before seems like it was just wild. It was like this yeah. is the wild west. <laughs> Fucking just to add to like wild Hollywood stories. Apparently, the guy that directed um, Conan maybe wrote it too. The movie Conan. Oh, the yeah Conan Barbarian was in the same class as uh, George Lucas. I guess the John USC. Milas, I think. Yeah, USC yeah. or something. Yeah, and this is the guy that directed Conan. Keep that in mind. This is before Conan because they're still in film school, right? Yeah. But Luke George Lucas apparently has a story of like the film professor like shitting on John Milas. Yeah, I think so. John Milas's um, I guess one of his student films, <laughs> and he's a student, and he fucking John Milas decks him in the face. Oh shit! In class, <laughs> and Lucas, it's the way he's telling the story is like. Look, I wouldn't believe it either if somebody was telling me, but I was there I was and the there, fucking yeah. shit happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get to writing Conan in the Barbarian. Yeah, he is apparently kind of a tough motherfucker, so... Respect. Yeah. God I mean, damn. honestly, I've been... You know, we've been to film school and stuff, and... there I've seen some people that... One guy is like one of the most... He's not like a household name, obviously, yeah. but he's like really directing shit right now, and he was like the most like emotional 
guy in our class and like threw shit down whenever the fucking like it just really I mean, like I've definitely wanted there. to punch a teacher in the face during yeah. film school sometimes so like I kind of get it but you were around these kind of types uh types where it was just like they were seemed like it was this is our place where we get to be the bosses of everything because okay. clearly our careers aren't going anywhere so let's bo- let's bully around a few students oh uh, so it's a teacher's fault kind, kind i mean yeah well that plus like in, almost in feeling like it encouraged that and then some pretentious students. By the way, I'm not saying that this was every class for anybody who's listening who were part of my classes. I'm sure, you know, it was it was not like that for every class. Just, there was just a couple that came to mind where I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, I okay. just came back and you just had to, like, settle down yourself. The, the guy I know is, is, I won't say his name, but he was just kind of, like, overly emotional at times. Mm-hmm. And now he's directing shit on Hulu. N- no shit. Nice, nice. Uh, but apparently they were considering, strongly considering, a new director who had just come out with a shark movie, Steven Spielberg. Oh, shit. So That would have been a really good pick, though. I know, right? Are you Spielberg fucking kidding me? apparently wanted to, really wanted to make it. I could see him doing it. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely got, like, a real nerd side, obviously. Yeah. He does, I mean, most of the shit is kind of nerdy. Yeah. So, he's rep- so he had representation already at the time. Yeah. And they told Salkine, like, hey, he really wants to do this. He loves Superman. He loves this type of stuff. That's cool. And Salkine's like, cool. He turns to his dad, and his dad's like, all right, well, let's just wait to see what this shark movie does. <laughs> and it does. Okay, so that, that should have been a yes then. Yeah, and then he's also concerned that, like, they're apparently Spielberg went over budget on Jaws. Oh, yeah. So the older Salkine is like, okay, well, let's just wait. Okay, so it was a shark, man. It never worked. It shows up and it it's huge. Yeah, it's a huge movie. Yeah, and the Salkines are like, great, let's go to him. Well, at this point, Spielberg is a hot commodity. Okay, so the window of opportunity had already passed. He was already going on to Close Encounters. It's just looking back. So, I mean, people love that movie, and it's a good movie. Close Encounters or Jaws? Clo- both of them. Oh. But Superman would have been better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no offense to Don. I mean, Don made a great one, but it's just, you know. It would have been a different movie, too. It would have been a different movie. He's so good at, like, the family warmth, heartwarming kind of True. shit, too. You know so. what I mean? He's so good at that. Yeah. Then again, I don't think he was that Spielberg yet. It was in him. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they eventually decide we're going to settle on a director. We have a director now, and that okay. is Guy Hamilton. Okay. Guy Hamilton was a British guy who had directed Goldfinger and Diamonds of... He had directed James Bond movies. He would have been good at action. Uh, he could have been yeah. good at the other shit, too. But. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And he, yeah. they were like, Goldfinger's the best Bond movie. Let's forget about Diamonds Are Forever for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but Goldfinger's the best Bond movie. We're Let's looking, bring we're, him on. The positive. Yeah, yeah. So, the positive. Uh, project moves from like all over the place from Paris to like Rome and Italy and everything and and they start working with him and they also start auditioning people for the roles okay and, and apparently at this time that Hamilton signs on one of the people to inter- to audition for Superman is Olympic athlete Bruce Jenner oh wow future Caitlyn Jenner that so, would have been a different history it's an alternate universe exactly. out there in um, the multiverse so let's get a little bit into casting uh, Alexander Salkine is like old school. He's like, we got to get an A-list actor to play Superman. We have oh, to yeah. have a star as Superman. And it's his son, Ilya, who's like, I don't know if I can picture any A-list actor as Superman. 
So he was right in this case. He was right in this case, yeah. Uh, Let's he, get a ballet dancer from Juilliard. Yeah. I actually don't know if he was a ballet <laughs> dancer, but... he Well, he's like, what if we had an unknown as Superman? Because I want people to look up at the screen and see him as Superman, not the star. That was probably forward thinking at that yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And let me put A-list stars in the other roles. It's so, great, great thinking, really. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. get an A-list actor for Jor-El. Let's get an A-list actor for uh, Lex Luthor. It's interesting because like you do... Even like the A-listers are fine being in like secondary roles because A less like mm-hmm. days to work, um, but also like they're taking part in uh, like a certain, a very important part of American Americana. Yeah. Really, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the OG superhero, and he had been around for what 40, 50 years at that point. So like, yeah. So I could just see them. You know, people were probably very excited. Yeah, this is going yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, they at one point they offer Superman, Jor-El, and Luke, Lex Luthor to Paul Newman. <laughs> okay. They're so like, do you want any of these roles? I could see maybe Luthor. I could maybe see Luthor. Yeah. Um, I don't really see. Obviously not Superman. I don't even really see him as Jor-El, really. So I could maybe see Luthor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Honestly, he's best fit for Perry White, <laughs> if I were to yeah. think anything for yeah, him. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. Uh, but he turns all of these down. And so they go... They go into thinking about other actors, but legend has it that um, one idea before Salkine had this idea of giving it to A-list actors was that Puzo had the idea that Jor-El and Superman would be played by the same actor. Oh, and just age him up? Because of the fact that... It, or not even age him up, because if you look at the comics oh, at the time, yeah, the original that's right. Jor-El that's looks right. just like Superman. Also, it's in the WB cartoon as well. Like, the face looks almost oh, yeah, the, the exact, exact same, same, man. So, obviously, that did, they got they got thrown out the window when Salkine was like, hey, let's actually get an A-list actor to play Jor-El, but right. an unknown as Superman. Well, that right. get, gets rid of that whole idea. But it is kind of interesting because it's it, he does look like Superman in the comics whenever they draw Jor-El. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of that is just comic history. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, it was way easier to just draw Superman and just put him in a different outfit and say, that's his dad. Right, right, so right. So that's part of it. But that would have been cool. But technically, on another world, we could have gotten Christopher Reeve as Jor-El and Superman if this whole idea that stuck. That would have been interesting, man. Yeah, yeah indeed. For sure. Uh, technically, this has actually happened twice in Superman okay. adaptations. So technically, it only really happened in Smallville when Tom Welling in a flashback played a young Jor-El on oh, top wow. of playing Clark That's Kent. interesting. So that was cool. And then uh, on in the DC animated universe, uh, Christopher McDonald, best known as Shooter McGavin in Happy Gilmore, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is... I uh, eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? <laughs> Dude, no. <that laughs> iconic role. The only other role I really know him from, and this is a minor film, but SLC Punk mm. with... Um, Oh man, what's the guy's name? The guy was in the Muppet movie, the the one, uh, the reboot that was really popular, and also in um, the Hawaii movie. Jason Segel. Yeah, yeah, he's in that, and oh. uh, Matthew Lillard is the, is the lead in SLC Punk. Oh yeah, I think I heard about this. Yeah, great, great movie actually. I do recommend it. Uh, well, Shooter McGavin voiced Joel in uh, Superman the Animated Series, and then went on to voice <laughs> that's right an older Superman in Batman Beyond. Okay. So that's the oh, other that's times. Oh, cool. that's cool. That's cool. I didn't know Shooter McGavin did that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I forget what was his real name again. Christopher McDonald. Christopher McDonald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but of course, obviously, Superman and Jor-El were not played by the same person. They were uh, Jor-El was played by Marlon Brando, who yeah. signed on because they were paying him three point seven million dollars. He didn't have to wear pants. 
He would also get 11.75% of the box office gross profits, totaling out to $19 million. And he only famously worked like four days or something? Right. It was... he. Only works for, I mean, to be fair, he only has a small role anyway. Yeah, it's true. So, that's true. Krypton stuff, and then just all the hologram animatic right, shit, right. and that's it. His his delivery was like pretty good too. You know, it probably yeah. wasn't his best in his whole career. Oh but, no, 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 it's not like his best performance. Yeah, but, but it was good enough for what it is. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. good enough. Uh, I mean, just to give it like gravitas, like oh, yeah. Hollywood royalty, like kind of top of the top guys mm-hmm. right well really the sound clients are smart because like we already have clout but we need more clout so yeah. they get mario puzo on yeah and then mario puzo's name because the godfather gets other people interested and so a, now Marlon brando and it's gene amazing. hackman are now interested and then suddenly oh puzo brando hackman and the sound clients this yeah. isn't just some silly shit this seems like it's a this serious some movie. real shit yeah. yeah yeah and that's how you get shit done in hollywood honestly is you attach people who are already known for being good or known or at least yeah. being a name Shit, it's so. gonna snowball yeah it's yeah. a snowball there was no way this was movie was gonna be made with complete unknowns right it right, just was right. never gonna happen right uh, so Marlon Brando's gonna get 19 million dollars and apparently according to Southline Paul Newman found out later and almost had a heart attack that he turned <laughs> this shit down because he would have gotten the same deal it's like maybe I should have taken it so uh, oh man yeah what a different <laughs> movie would have been uh, and then of course with those names attached that's how they also got Gene Hackman to be Lex Luthor okay uh, so they were like, hey, we got Brandon, we got Hackman. We don't want to risk either guy dropping out. So okay, when when is your availability, Mr. Brando? When is your availability, Mr. Hackman? Okay, you're available these dates. That's when you're shooting. Okay. Don't budge on any of those shooting dates. Okay. So Brando and Hackman's shooting dates are set before they've even cast the lead role. Oh, wow. And again, Guy Hamilton is still the director on this. Okay. So interesting. You imagine now they're on a tight deadline because Goldfinger like, director. Get, yeah, the Goldfinger director. Okay. Imagine you're on a tight deadline because you have to get that shit done and, and shot with Brando and Hackman. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, they have uh, separate. They they don't have scenes together. They don't have scenes together. No, no, no. But I mean, yeah. you would still need to cast people, especially for Hackman stuff. Yeah. You need Superman at that point. It was shot in London, those shots? Partially shot in London, Of of, uh, Krypton? Uh, I think so. I'm not... I I feel like I've heard that before. They were... could be wrong about that. They were across different continents for this movie. Like, it was huge. But some of it was filmed in LA, right? A lot of it. Uh, New York, I think. Oh, New York. Honestly, it was, you you know, there's how, in Hollywood, there's stuff called the other units, like second unit, third unit and stuff. Yeah. yeah. There were 11 units on this. 11? Yeah. God, Salkines had the money, dude. (laughs) So, uh, they- They like Ukrainian or some shit? uh, I'd have to look it up. Uh, I'd have to look it up. We'll look it up in the break. Uh, it was supposed to be shot in Italy. Okay, like Spaghetti Western style. Yeah. Uh, Pre-production starts in Rome, and they start doing all this construction and flying tests. Wow. I wonder if there's shots of that. Yeah. There are some. Original set. That's interesting. There are some... Yeah, there's some concept art that's out there and some of the Superman, the movie documentaries, uh, some flying shots, or even one where a guy's running running down the street and he turns from Clark Kent to Superman. That type it's of thing. Just some extra Street. guy or yeah, something? Yeah, some extra guy. Because again, Superman had not been cast. That's crazy. At this man. point, Guy Hamilton did not get to cast Superman at all during the time that he was involved. In he this. was already kicked out by the time they got. Well, he wasn't necessarily kicked out. I'll go into the interesting reason why he okay. ended up dropping. Uh, but the. They're already doing all this stuff, but they, they claim to have lost $2 million on the flying test because it just never really works. 
Okay. It yeah, just looks this bad. Out. It looks lame and everything. 78, and there, this is when it was came out. So, again, we got major planning probably in 76. Yeah. 75, 76. Dude, there's fucking, like, no CG. Exactly. It's all exactly. practical this, flying. It is, it is all practical effects. Yeah. Again. That's why it's so significant that the tagline is, you will believe a man can fly. Yeah. Because they had never pulled off flying in a believable way until yeah. this movie. George Reeves did it, but it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just not. I mean, it's fine for what it is, yeah. but, you know. They were trying very hard. So <laughs> here's why. Here's the complicated reason why it didn't get shot in Italy. So Brando finds out he can't film in Italy because there's a warrant out for his arrest. He had last shot Last Tango in Paris, which was very sexual. Wait, who's who's got a warrant again? Brando. Oh, there's, Mar- a warrant, okay. there's a warrant for Marlon Brando's arrest in Italy because he had shot Last Tango in Paris. Oh, shit. Uh, which is considered to be too sexually obscene. For Paris? For Italy, apparently. for Italy, wow. Maybe it's the Catholicism right there. I don't it's like know. Make them, I feel like Paris is like they just let whatever go. Yeah, just but, about. But Italy specifically, Brando can't go there, which is ironic because he's the fucking Godfather. So wow, uh, that, Brando's that's like that's ridiculous. Brando's like I can't go to Italy, and of course the Salkines at that point are like we got to move production <laughs> straight to England, uh, and they go to England because they find out that it'll be it'll probably be cheaper too on that, but. That's where Guy Hamilton has an issue because he has sexual obscenity. No, he doesn't. He <laughs> <laughs> no, he apparently was in tax exile. What? I guess he wasn't paying his taxes and shit from what he made in, on Goldfinger. So he he's could, like, so he's English, but he couldn't go back to England. Yeah. Oh my god! Just like dude. like both Brando and Hamilton are basically exiled out of their mother countries. I know Brando's American, but still, yeah, right. It's ironic at this point. That's so, crazy. Hamilton can't shoot in England, but Hollywood England, was wild at this time, dude. Yeah. So wild. England is where they're going to shoot because they need Brando. Who's a bigger name, Marlon Brando or Guy Hamilton? So okay, yeah. you got to go with Marlon Brando. So wow. Hamilton drops because he can't shoot in England. They got to find a new director. That's wild, dude. Yeah. So pay your taxes, everybody. Pretty much. So we got two big stars locked into production that has no director at this point. And no it star. Not ca- it's not cast as leading man. Yeah. And the script is still 400 pages. Well, you we'll know. We'll finish the story after the break, but that's where we're at. <laughs> Damn. Good stuff. <laughs> so. It's good to be on patrol again, Nightwing. I can't wait to wait. What are you doing? Uh, nothing. I'm just, uh, you know, fixing my hair and everything. I'm glad you... I'm glad you called me over here, Batman. It's been pretty slow in Bloodhaven. Yeah, but I mean, you know, whenever you're jumping from rooftop to rooftop, you seem to be crouching down in a certain position. Well, it's it's to help my jumping power from one place to the next. You wouldn't want me to, you know, fall between those buildings, right? I just gotta say, from, from a guy that works out a motherfucking shitload to another... God damn, you do not skip leg day. That includes, of course, both gluteus maximus and minimus. Oddly specific for you to go into the anatomy. One must know the human anatomy perfectly well to become a caped crusader, Nightwing. Ah, yes, that's true. I still remember your lessons, Bruce. So, uh, anyway, I respect that kind of thing, of course, but it's just a little weird. Maybe I should be jumping rooftop to rooftop in front this time and you behind so I don't have to see these positions you get into I didn't know you cared so much about 
who was going in front. I thought it was all about who could get to the criminal first. That is true, but it's just a little bit. Your butt's in my goddamn face all the time, okay? That ass is juicy as hell, and I can't fucking take it anymore. Um, thanks? Alright everybody, if you like that little preview to the sketch right there, we have that, plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces, and uh, review type stuff, and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod, and if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Oh, uh, hi there, it's me, Max Shrek, local businessman and tycoon, and you're listening to superhero stuff you should know. And hey, it's almost Christmas, so if you hadn't stopped by one of my department stores yet, what are you waiting on? Go ahead, head inside, pick your old lady up something nice for me. And we're back to continue talking about the making of Superman the movie from 1978. Uh, now, if you're watching the YouTube version, you can see that I have this copy of the 2001 DVD uh, version of this. This was the very first DVD I ever owned. Really? Yeah. Mine was Austin Powers. <laughs> Second one was Spawn. <laughs> okay, so I'm still fitting into the superhero thing. Yeah. Uh, this is t- basically Donner's favorite cut of the movie. So it's a little longer than the theatrical cut. Okay. But it is his preferred cut, and it contains some scenes that you wouldn't have seen if you've only seen the theatrical version, such as uh, seeing Lois Lane's parents, um, oh, yeah. as well as Superman going through this gauntlet as he tries to get to Lex Luthor's lair where oh, Lex yeah. throws out, like he has him get shot at, he throws flamethrowers, right. like, tries to freeze him to death, all those types of things. That was not in the theatrical version at all. Dude, so. I might have seen, this is a, I gotta come clean on this one. I might have seen a good bit of it, but I don't mm-hmm. know if I had seen all of it. I saw a good bit of it on TV right. as a kid and I never saw it again. It until- might have been that because the TV version is the longest cut. Maybe I did see that. The TV version is the longest cut. The t- because at the time, they thought, uh, for we'll get more money if we give you even more of the movie. More commercial breaks. Yeah. Also for TV. Yeah. Right? So the the TV cut of Superman, the movie, is over three hours. Okay. And then I just rewatched it again a year ago or so. Yeah. Like, actually, yeah. truly in earnest. <laughs> like, I don't know why it took me so long, but yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well... Now we're here. Yeah, uh, we're we here. We did, by the way, look up where the Salkines came from, and funny enough, we did not realize this. We assumed the Salkines were Eastern European. It sounds just Salkine. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And I thought so, too, yeah. until I read that Ilya Salkine's full name is Ilya Juan Salkine Dominguez. Also, uh, the Mexicans. The me- Mexican. So, but also, Ilya? Ilya sounds it's like true. Russian or something. Yeah, Ilya Salkine. I'm like, okay, he's probably Russian or Right, something. right, right. And then... But it sounds like to me, and this is my theory, and this is, we'll probably have to dig into it, but it sounds like they deliberately made themselves sound more Eastern European than Mexican just so they could get ahead in Hollywood. Yeah, which that's is, just the you know, It's unfortunate, the times, but yeah. it's, uh, it's smart on their part. Obviously. It works for them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's cool. The Salkines are still in charge of this, and they got to find a new director because Guy Hamilton is out because okay. he's in tax exile. <laughs> uh, so uh, they consider a man named Mark Robson, who had just done a movie in 1974 called Earthquake. 
uh, and he was definitely down to do it. However, Salkine's wife, Sky, said, you should see this movie. It's a horror movie called The Omen. Oh, it's directed okay. by Richard Donner. Okay. Donner, that was his main directorial debut. He had done some okay. TV stuff, but this was like his big movie. This is Ilya Salkine's wife had this suggestion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, Sky Aubrey is, is his wife. Yeah. Sky Aubrey's mom is Phyllis Thaxter, who played Martha Kent in the movie. Okay. So he cast his mother in law to play Martha wow. in this. But she's fantastic in the role anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. mind that, that uh, instance of nepotism. Nepotism, yeah. yeah. Uh,. Funny enough, Salkine was really impressed by The Omen, but he then went to see the other films that Donner had made and said they were, quote-unquote, absolutely dreadful. (laughs) 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 Nonetheless, he felt that they still had heart. Okay. And uh, he's like, okay, it's down to Donner and Robson. Which one will it be? Uh, He feels he basically was like Warner's was ambivalent either way, and Marlon Brando didn't give a shit. Okay. uh, Marlon's like, just pay me. Yeah. And I'll wear a shirt. I don't care where the director comes from. <laughs> so That's cool. He didn't care being as like royalty as he yeah. was. So Alexander Salkine, the father, decides he's going to call Richard Donner. And Richard Donner tells the story like this. And I'll have you say some of this. Okay. Uh, but Donner is sitting on the toilet when he gets this phone call. <laughs> okay. I got this call from Alexander Salkind. He said, do you know who I am? And I said, no. Why are you calling me? He said... I'll get to that. I'm a producer. Did you ever see The Three Musketeers? I said I did see it. And he said, I produced that. And I said, the way I hear it, they tried to release a second picture without paying the actors. He said, well, that's a long story. I'm making Superman. I don't have a director, and I'll pay you a million dollars. A million dollars? That was like saying, I'll give you all the tea in China. I said, oh, How many pictures is it? He said, two. I have Marlon Brando for X number of weeks, and I have Gene Hackman, and we start shooting on on such and such date. I said, whoa, that's close. He said, but we're all prepared. We're ready to go. I said, what's your script like? He said, perfect. There was a delivery guy at my door within an hour. With this script that was so thick and big, you'd get a hernia from lifting it. And there were other things with the package. And one of them was the Superman costume. So I sat down and read the script, and it took forever. It was the longest thing I'd ever read. It was indulgent and heavy and had no point of view and treated the comic books with disrespect. So. <laughs> I kind of like that, though. Disrespect. Disrespect. But I don't Donner, like that. Donner's the one who recognizes we got to take this shit seriously. Which means this is uh, this is key. So they weren't really serious until Donner. Yeah, which is why it's important that he was the one who became the director of it. Now that's interesting. I feel like Spielberg would have been the same way, though. That's true. Spielberg, yeah. I, yeah. I guess Spielberg and Donner, they w- in an alternate universe, I feel like the movies wouldn't have been too different. I feel that way too. Yeah. It feels like a Spielberg movie a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he decides we got to do another rewrite on this shit. So that's when he yeah. brings in Tom Mankiewicz. Who, oh, wow. Again, you guys might remember if you listened to our episode, Ben Reviews the Batman script from 1982, he was the one who wrote the first Batman feature film script. How he, does he know Mankiewicz at this time? Um, How does Donner know Mankiewicz? I'm not really sure because Mankiewicz is Hollywood royalty Okay. at this point. he His uncle had written Citizen Kane, okay. Herman J. Mankiewicz, and Herman J. Mankiewicz is being played by Gary Oldman in the new David Fincher Netflix movie, Mank. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mankiewicz had written James Bond movies himself. He actually wrote Diamonds Are Forever for Guy Hamilton. Oh, uh, yeah. As well oh, as so it's like maybe stuff. Guy Hamilton uh, 
even though they lost Guy Hamilton. I don't yeah. know. Well, it's Donner who brings Mankiewicz in. It's a small world, though, yeah, I yeah. guess. He, he, even smaller than. Yeah, exactly. And Mankiewicz was like, I don't really want to do this comic book shit, which is ironic because I consider him basically with his rewrites on Superman the movie as well as what he wrote for the Batman that yeah. foreshadowed everything that came over. He's pretty much the godfather of uh, Batman or godfather of superhero origin movies. There's really. something about a healthy distance too, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you can go either way, I guess. Ultimate fan with a lot of passion or somebody with kind of an objective view that's yeah. not... I don't like Nolan was that way, and he Kinda, made yeah. he made some good ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mankiewicz is like, I don't want to do it, and Donner yeah. is like, you're going to do it. Just come over and let me talk to you. Okay. So here's the story of what happened when Mankiewicz came over. I got a little stoned, smoked some weed, put on the Superman costume. I was in pretty good shape then. It was like elastic. And Tom pulled up, and I ran across the lawn, and Tom turned and looked at me and ran back to his car. Tom says, you're crazy. Get the fuck away from me. I said, Tom, listen, you've got to read this. I gave him all my feelings about what we should do. I said, the most important thing when you look at it is this. Make a love story and prove a man can fly. So he read it and he called me that night and said, you know, there's a lot we can do with this. So that's how we get Makeaways on board. Is that's interesting. Donner getting stoned and running around in a Superman costume. <laughs> <laughs> you have to become one with your art. It's important. I mean, there's like those Snyder. He wasn't wearing a costume, but didn't Snyder like wear a bat gauntlet and drew Batman and shit? Yeah, like, that's true. He was wearing that's gauntlets. True too. Like, dude. Yeah, you have. What to. you wear is important, and I mean. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it's, there's, yeah. There's, there's a lot to that, I think. Yeah, exactly. Mental space. Mental space <laughs> it's, it's is what I'm talking about. It's a fantastic story. Because I just thought, like, oh, they do the usual thing. You're hired yeah. on as a director. And then I yeah. read the actual story. I'm like, we have to cover this. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Donner's, he's obviously into it. Yeah. He's, <laughs> I smoke some weed. <laughs> yeah. So they go to Paris, and they meet with Alexander Salkine. And Salkine, at this point, is apparently in bed in a hotel. Uh, that he lived at. <laughs> he lived in this hotel. Okay. Uh, and he was money to burn, it sounds like. He was sick. Um, oh okay. Uh, th- thankfully, this is not Corona times, where like obviously they would not have done this uh, yeah. <laughs> at all. But he shows up there, and uh, here's how this conversation goes for Mr. Salkind and Mr. Donner. The first thing I said was, Mr. Salkind, this needs a major rewrite. He said, No, no, no. This is a perfect script. I said, It's not a perfect script. So I started telling him all my feelings, and he said, You're wrong. I said. Thank you for the trip to Paris, <laughs> but I can't do this. And we started leaving. He said, okay, tell me what you would rewrite. If Alexander Salkine had not changed his mind, Richard Donner would have flown back to L.A. This is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, Donner's kind of a character, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what he's doing here. This is this is pretty funny. This okay. is why like Donner is a huge part of this huge piece in this puzzle. Yeah. Before we even get to Christopher Reeve or Margot Kidder or John Williams. Like, he's a huge part of this. I mean, he's like the first Superman superhero movie director. Exactly, yeah. In earnest. So you we, know, this we, is very important shit oh, going yeah, on. Yeah, we owe a lot to him and Mankiewicz on this because they yeah. saved this movie. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. They saved this. It's uh, it's good to have somebody like Mankiewicz, I think, that yeah. can, like I said before, objective and kind of... Yeah, I, I'm kind of glad that he got Mankiewicz on yeah. the job. No, yeah. Totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mankiewicz gets to work on the script, and Donner goes overseas to see what they have in England. Okay. Uh, at this point, Salkinds have spent $6 million. Before, without, before Donner has even worked on it. 
It's fucking crazy. <laughs> Six million dollars on pre pro pre pro. All in pre production, just trying okay. to figure this out. Two million dollars of which was on the flying test. So <laughs> in, Ital- in Italy. <laughs> in Italy, which they didn't even shoot it. Shoot at. Fuck, so man. Uh Mankiewicz does rewrites, but for whatever reason the Writers Guild of America refuses to give him credit. They only credit Puzo, Benton, Newman, uh, and everybody, but but Mankiewicz. And Donner's like, that's fine. I'll just give you a different type of credit. So in the credits, it says creative consultant Tom Mankiewicz. Okay. He made that shit up so he could give Tom a credit. That's that's Donner's, how Donner Donner's looks out being for being an OG over that's here. That's how Donner that's looks cool. out for his people. That's cool. So that's amazing. Uh, so Donner decides he goes to England, and here's what he thinks of the flying tests. They had filmed some flying tests, and I looked at them and said, this is terrible. The flying was like bad television, like lying on a board on a process screen. The stuff they had was corny. I said, you guys don't understand. You've made a farce out of this. So I called the Salkinds, Alexander and his son Ilya, and said, listen, maybe this isn't going to work. We have to start from scratch. They said, no, no, no. Everything you have is perfect. So, <laughs> they have like one line they say to people. Everything you have is perfect. <laughs> we have a perfect movie. This is the beginning of the divide between Donner and Salkinds because really the Salkinds okay. just wanted to do whatever it took to make it cheap. Okay. They want to make a, a Superman movie. movie but and, and, and Donner's like, we're making a classic here. Yeah, we have to make, yeah, yeah. we have to do it my way. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah. Which is why he was kicked off of Superman 2. Okay. which we'll cover in Superman 2, but that's why there's a Donner cut and there's a theatrical version of Superman right. 2 that was shot by a completely different director. Right. This is the original Snyder Whedon thing. Already. Yeah, right. And for years, right. people wanted to see the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. And it finally came out. And it finally came out, but that was the first Snyder cut type situation. And it's the only one I've ever seen. Sorry, fans. <laughs> well, yes, you'll, you'll Donner see cut's the only Superman one 2. I've seen. You'll see it before Superman 2, because our episode on that is going to be Donner cut versus theatrical version. Right. Which one do you prefer with each difference? The so. green screen didn't bother me. Yeah. It's like, it's like a second. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like a second. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Donner felt it was best to start from scratch and he's like they had prepared this picture for a year and not one bit of it is going to help me at all okay so uh, we have another great story with Richard Donner here which is how he <laughs> deals with Marlon Brando because now he's like I, he's inherited I can't do a Brando you directed <clears throat> The Omen what the fuck is that yeah. that was The Omen <laughs> so uh, Brando obviously and uh, Brando and Hackman have already been cast so Donner inherits them they were not his choices uh, okay, this. and Donner is like, "Well, I got to meet Brando." So Brando's Brando, agent, Brando puts some pants on. Grant, Brando's agent calls Donner, and he tells Donner, "So Marlon wants to play Jor El like a green suitcase." What does that mean? Donner's like, "I don't." Yeah, exactly. And green suitcase. The agent says, "Quote: It means he hates to work and he loves money. So if he can talk to you into the fact that the people on Krypton look like green suitcases, and you only photograph green suitcases, he'll get paid just to do the voiceover, three point seven million dollars, plus the box office stuff, just this to do a fucking ridiculous. voiceover. Uh, that's the way his mind works because he doesn't like to work. He was over at this point. He was man. over at this. He point. was really this over post it. Godfather. Yeah." Uh, and Donner's like, fuck. And so he calls up Francis Ford Coppola. I don't know how he knows Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> I point. think at this point with the Salkinds connection, he was just getting numbers. Right. Getting yeah. phone numbers. So you know what I mean? Coppola tells Donner, just get him, just keep having him talk. Okay. He'll talk himself out of it. <laughs> so Donner's like, okay, let's see what happens. So Donner. I love these like Hollywood mind games they have to play with each other. I yeah. feel like there's, I mean, we're not. Neither of us are at that level, so we don't know personally, mm-hmm. but 
It seems like it was a lot more back then. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. totally. Yeah. So Donner and Mankiewicz and Ilya Salkine all go to visit Brando's compound, where he apparently is living with Jack Nicholson. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> future Joker, uh, Jack Nicholson. That's interesting. And, uh, yeah, they talk for hours. I imagine that there was a lot of sex going on <laughs> at that compound. <laughs> the compound. <laughs> yes. Probably was, dude. Yeah. Probably was. So they talk for hours, and Brando talks about his kids, and how he's like he's mainly doing this for his kids, really. Yeah, he doesn't outside give of a the fuck. money. Outside of the money, yeah. uh, and he talks about how his kids never miss a thing about like their stories and, and stories and mythology. And this is important because Donner keeps this in mind for later on. Uh, okay. So Brando's then ready to talk about the role, and Donner is prepared for him to talk about green suitcase, right? Green suitcase. Green suitcase is like, all right, it's here we go. Suitcase full of green. No, the suitcase that is colored green. Okay. Okay. And Brando's like. Why don't I play him like a bagel? <laughs> and Donner's like, Donner's I was ready. Like, oh, you're the, one of the greatest actors in history. What is that? What, what's happened to yeah. you? <laughs> so Donner was not prepared for this because he was prepared for a green suitcase. He was not prepared for a bagel. Yeah. He's and for, Brando's like, you know, who's to say what who the, the people, fuck would be who's prepared? To, who's to say what the people of Krypton look like? I can make them look like a human. Ship him off to Earth and make him look like a human. <laughs> <laughs> I like your Brando. I can't do it. <laughs> um, and of course, Salkind at this point, he just wants Brando on. But in the back of his mind, he's like, "This is going to ruin the movie. Yeah. There, I will not be working again in this industry." But I don't know what else to say. So he's Holy like, "That's going to be great, Marlon. What do you think, Dick?" Yeah. And when he turns to Donner, yeah, and Donner's like, "Dick Donner, that's right." Yeah, yeah. And, and Donner has to think on his feet because again, he was not prepared for this. Right. And he's like, "You're forgetting one thing, Marlon." This character's been around since 1938. Every kid knows what Jor-El looks like because you talked about how kids don't miss a thing in mythology. Every kid knows what Jor-El looks like. And Brando, oh, so we talked him out of And Brando's like, what does he look like? And Donner says, he looks like Marlon Brando. <laughs> and Brando's like, show me what you got. What do I look like? Wow. And that's how they got him on. The mind games, dude. <laughs> the mind games. So Donner was the right pick, man. Donner was the right pick. That's cool. He's the OG on this. That's cool. Uh, so obviously, as I brought up, Bruce Jenner auditioned for the title role of Superman, but they tried to go for everybody on this. That's like pretty much open casting call after open, a certain point. Yeah. So yeah. the Salkinds got approval from DC from the following for the following actors. DC is like, you're fine. Like we would like it if we were any of these guys. So here's the list. Let right. me know if you think any of them would be a good Superman. First one is Muhammad Ali. Okay. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, so that's awfully progressive, actually. That's cool. Um, second one is Al Pacino. Okay, interesting. Uh, and along those lines is James Caan. Okay. I guess they thought, you know, you got Brando. Yeah. <laughs> so Which why don't bring the Godfather Pacino bunch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Steve McQueen. Yeah. Uh, Clint yeah. Eastwood. He's already old at this point, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> and Dustin Hoffman, who also turned down Lex Luthor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, they offered to Robert Redford, but apparently he wanted too much money. Okay. Uh, Eastwood was too busy. Uh, Salkine thought McQueen was too fat uh, at the time. Wow. Uh, Charles Bronson was considered, but Salkine said he was, quote, unquote, too earthy. Um, <laughs> Bruce Jenner was considered to be, quote, unquote, too amateurish because he wasn't actually an actor. Uh, and then there were a few other actors who met with with Donner, one of whom was Rocky himself, Sylvester Stallone. Oh, shit, really? So, here's what Donner had to say about that. I met with Sylvester Stallone because of them. The Salkinds. I tried to be nice and say, this is wrong. I like Stallone. He turned out to be a nice guy. He wanted to do it. 
I remember meeting him in his manager's office, and I was as cordial as I could be. He was a big star, and I'm some punk kid. Which is an interesting dynamic because of the fact that he was already huge because of Rocky. Right. And it's weird to think of Donner as like a punk kid compared to Stallone, but that's because we're looking back at it now. Right. As opposed to then. Right. Because remember, like he had just done, he had done The Omen. That was his main thing. I don't even want to look up how old he was because it'll be too depressing. <laughs> He's probably 32 or something Maybe, doing this yeah. shit. Uh, so Stallone isn't right for it, even though he wanted to do it. Uh, Stallone, a bit short, right? Also? Um... Yeah, I would he say could so, obviously actually. pack he's, on the muscle. He's but. shorter than he's way shorter than Reeve. Reeve was six. Reeve is, three. He was six, six four. He was legit six, six four. four. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so James Khan was offered but turned it down. And here's what Khan had to say about what type of scene he had to play. Clark is just devastated because Lois Lane is so in love with Superman. Physically, the office is set up in the Daily Planet. In order to get to Clark Kent's office, you must pass through Lois Lane's office. So one day, Clark is so pissed off that she is in love with Superman. He says, screw it. He, r- he rips his clothes off. And he's got a Superman costume on under there. And he says, Lois, come in here. She comes in and looks at him, wet as fuck. That's sweet, Clark. But you're no Superman. And she walks out. Fucking dumb broad. Pretty sure this is from the Benton Newman script or something because it's it's too <laughs> it's too cheesy. Like there's no way this must have been one of those scenes that was like pre Donner or something. Bob Kane is like it's the best script the I've, best. Ever, <laughs> I've ever read. Check out uh, our stuff about the Return of Batman script deep dive where we reviewed Bob Kane's uh, attempt to make a Batman movie. I wish I wrote it myself. <laughs> uh, apparently Marlon Brando really wanted James Caan to be part of this, which is. <laughs> As you can imagine, because the whole Godfather... I think he's perfect. Yeah. But Khan was like, I got to sign on for two films and wear that outfit? No, thank you. So... It must have been... Like, there was no precedent. You know, like, they probably thought it was so silly. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, yeah. But it just seems like they they probably looked back on, like, oh, I missed out on this Mm -hmm. shit. Pretty much. You know? Uh, I feel like we're, like, one-third of the way through this list of actors they went through. Did (laughs) Khan... Look, I just forget what it looked like at that time. He looked like him, pretty much. No, maybe if you did his hair differently. Okay, like he's definitely a better fit for it facial wise than like Pacino and Hoffman. Right, right. So I don't know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he didn't work out. So the next they tried to go to Warren Beatty, future Dick Tracy. Okay. Uh, and here's how he approached this. I believe they came to me first with Superman. And I didn't think that they were actually going to make a movie. And I said, this is kind of ridiculous. And so I said to my assistant, run out and get me some long underwear. So she brings back some long underwear. And I take off my pants, not in front of her, by the way, and put on the long underwear and open the full length mirror. And I went to the, and I went to the telephone and I said, Look, just forget about Superman. It ain't going to happen. And then the movie was fucking terrific. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yes, Salkinds keep having keep going around. So, <laughs> okay. They tried to go to Burt Reynolds, who apparently turns it down. John Voight. Burt Reynolds. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about that, actually. Neil Diamond wanted to play it at one point. The musician. Neil Diamond. Yes. Interesting. 
Um, and Salkind apparently said that when he met Arnold Schwarzenegger at the premiere of Superman the movie, apparently Arnold had been under consideration, and Arnold said that he should have been cast because he already had the muscles. And Salkind was like, not with that accent. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like Schwarzenegger turned out all right, I think. But oh, yeah. it's just, how bad do I sound if it's just like, you know, Superman with an accent, like the most... <laughs> Most iconic. Well, it's immigrant. It's an immigrant thing. He's an immigrant, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, anyway. Anyway. Uh, apparently, John Wayne's son, Patrick Wayne, is reported to have been uh, very close in the running. That's interesting. So, Whatever happened with them? Like the I, Wayne, I don't know. The Waynes. The Waynes, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you do see a little bit of him in the suit uh, in an audition where he's grabbing an actor who's supposed to be Lex Luthor, like by the lapels and holding him up and pulling him up. What's his name? Patrick Wayne? Uh, Patrick Wayne, yeah. Patrick Wayne is... Okay. Which, funny enough, in comic book canon is the name of Bruce Wayne's grandfather. Wow. Okay. So, interesting. That's probably just a coincidence, though. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, Nick Nolte... Okay. Uh, ...was considered as well. You can see his name actually written in one of the behind-the-scenes documentaries when Don- when Donner was writing notes to himself when he was on the toilet talking oh, to the kind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but a report says wow. that he saw, quote-unquote, nothing super about the role. So, okay. uh, uh, casting became so desperate that uh, Sal Kine's wife, who we mentioned earlier, uh, was at the dentist office, and she looked up at the dentist, and she was like, you know what? You kind of look like Superman. You want an audition? So, yeah. <laughs> obviously, that was not Christopher Reeve. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man. But to make it sums it up the best. He says, we had guys who looked like Superman who couldn't act, and right. we had guys who could act but didn't look like Superman. I could see that being a, an issue. It's a huge yeah, thing. And I think yeah. it's the, the problem with every single time you have to cast this role, really. Yeah, that's for sure. So uh, that's what they had to do. It was casting director Lynn Stallmaster who first comes across Christopher Reeve's headshot. And he's like, this guy looks just like Superman face-wise. There's just one problem. He's way too fucking thin. He's like a string bean. And oh. he's got like reddish blondish hair. Okay. Uh, so... He, he shows dye the hair, but they yeah. think he could work out. Yeah, well, they were they were skeptical about this because remember, physical transformations for a role were not a thing at this point. Ah, this is nineteen seventies. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so Stallmaster says, "Hey, here's Christopher Reeve. What do you think?" And they're just like, "Eh, he doesn't seem right." And Stallmaster's like, "I don't know. I kind of believe in this kid." So he basically, instead of throwing out the headshot, he puts it at the bottom of the pile. Ah, wow. So, yeah, he had the feeling. Had the feeling. Uh, as That's a quick cool. side tangent, it's Christopher Reeve, not Christopher Reeves. I can't tell you how many times right. I've heard people say Christopher Reeves. I think Reeves is more common. It is more common, and plus Among they get a have mixed, that name. Plus, there's Keanu Reeves, so I can yeah. kind of get that. And like George Reeves, it's such a coincidence there that, too. There's a George Reeves and Christopher Reeve. There was when Hollywoodland came out. This one guy drove me nuts because he asked me online. He's just like. Wait, is Hollywood Land about Christopher Reeve? Yeah. How come there's more than one? Like, why was his name George? I'm like, it's a different actor. Just Google it, George man. Reeves, Christopher Reeve. Yeah. So that was a whole other thing. There was a poll on Superman homepage that asked which one of these actors did not play Superman. George Reeves, Kirk Allen, Christopher Reeves, or like Dean Cain or Henry Cavill. Was oh, it's a, very, it's a trick question. It's, it's a trick question. Kind of basically yeah. a trick and question. And everyone yeah. voted for Kirk Allen. Oh wow! Who was the first fucking Superman? And they're like, no, the real answer is Christopher Reeves. People forgot about that shit. There man. is no guy named Christopher Reeves, so that was disappointed. Yeah, uh, Christopher Reeve did go to Juilliard. Yeah. Do you know who his? I guess his fellow students were at Juilliard. Robin Williams. Robin Williams was, was one his, of them. He was his uh, roommate, right? Uh, I actually don't think he was his roommate. Oh, but they they were in classes together. Well, okay. I know somebody who almost was Christopher Reeves' roommate, and this is going to be shocker. Okay. Kevin Conroy. 
Oh, shit, really? Kevin Conroy was almost roommates with Christopher Reeve. He said on uh, Twitter, he said, great, wait, hold on, let me do it as Conroy. Great guy. We discussed <laughs> roommating, but I couldn't swing his fancy Soho rent. So I ended up <laughs> with Robin Williams in an apartment where we divided up space with half walls to save money. Not a lot of privacy, though. <laughs> so We were doing a lot of cocaine. <laughs> so Conroy... Doesn't get to room with Christopher Reeve, so he settles for rooming with Robin Williams. Can you imagine? What's going on at Juilliard at this time, man? Also, I just, I really wanted to see what it was like in that apartment with Conroy and Robin Williams, because that seems like a hell of a combination. I just think Robin Williams was, like, messy. I get the vibe he was messy. Oh, yeah, but he, Especially at he that had time. to have also been, like, still, the seeds at least were planted for him to be who he became, comedian-wise. Yeah, for sure. You know, for so, sure. Just imagining those two together is just incredible, but yeah. Um, Chris Reeve was probably clean, I think. I feel that way, too. Yeah, yeah I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> because of the Superman thing. Let's die, Let's uh, analyze it for about an hour. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but finally, they're so desperate, they go back to Stallmaster, and they're like, hey, let's give this Chris Reeve guy a chance. Let's dye his hair black and everything, see what he looks like in that his That wasn't suit. his natural hair color. Not his natural hair color. Fucking when you man. see him later on in life, too, when he was in the wheelchair, it's yeah. not, he doesn't have black hair. God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, because that's not man. his natural hair color. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, he wasn't, I mean, by today's standards, he wasn't like super buff either, but I guess at the, that time he was... He was even thinner, yeah. He was thinner, he yeah. Was, he was, they call him a string bean. So he put, yeah, put on some pounds, like, I guess, but being 6'4", it's probably hard to gain. It, it helped that some he was 6'4". Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, he goes in for auditions, and all the auditions were done with Holly Palance, who is the daughter of Jack Palance, who played Boss Grissom in Batman 89. The whole you are my number one guy. Yeah. So uh, here you see him, and there's footage of this, of his audition with Holly Palance. And he's super thin, and he's sweating so much uh, from this audition because this is a big audition for him. And plus, there's the lights. You see the sweat, the, the armpit stains. In the Superman costume. On the Superman costume. Yeah, I think I've actually seen this. Yeah. Yeah. And like. This is a scenario where, again, not a lot of people are believing for believing in him. They're just desperate at this point. Yeah. Camera starts rolling. You got Tom Minkowitz in the room with yeah. the cinematographer who's shooting this. Yeah. And they start the scene. Holly Palance comes on to find Christopher Reeve standing there. And he's like, good evening, Miss Lane. And Jeffrey Ensworth apparently turns to Tom Mankiewicz and he's like, this might be the guy. <laughs> That's cool. So. That's cool. Um, they do another scene that we'll cover in the Superman 2 deep dive that is in the Donner cut. Okay. Uh, with Lois, it's the one where she has a blank. She shoots the blank. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, that's not in the theatrical? It's not in the theatrical. No. Holy shit, man. No, that, that seems important. That scene in the Donner cut is Margot Kidder's audition scene. Oh, shit. That's a screen test. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not an actual... That okay. was not shot for any movie. That they, looked better than the uh, green screen shot. <laughs> yeah, it I looked, hope so. It looked, looked okay. But that scene was used to say, hey, like you can be Superman... Uh, in this room with uh, Lois Lane, where it was obviously the the interview, the classic interview scene with between okay. Superman and Lois. Okay. But for Clark Kent, the audition scene was that scene from the Donner Cut, where okay. she shoots him with a blank. Okay. Uh, so we'll cover that when we do the Superman 2 one. But they're like, this is fantastic. However, uh, there's the problem with the fact of he's fucking thin. So yeah. this is where Donner comes in and has this conversation with Reeve. You're going to have to... Get some pack on the pounds. We'll, we'll find out how. I said probably quite honestly, Buster. <laughs> 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 he said, "Listen, I was a jock in school, and when I went to acting, I lost fifty pounds." I said, 
I don't believe you. You're an actor. He says, no, I did. I swear to you. Okay, so they decide, hey, we're going to pair you up with somebody to train you and bulk you up. Buster. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll bulk up, Buster. <laughs> so I don't know. I didn't know if he was a personal trainer at the time or why they turned to him, but they call out, and this is a familiar name to Star Wars fans, David Prowse. Oh, that name's familiar to me, too. He was the guy who was in the suit of Darth Vader. Oh, yeah, yeah, He acted yeah, as yeah. Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they yeah. asked Darth Vader, can you help Christopher Reeve bulk up to be Superman? Shit, okay. And so Darth Vader helped Christopher Reeve bulk That's up. That's awesome. So <laughs> Cut to Zack Snyder sending a bunch of weird Star Wars shit. To, uh, he was, like, taking pictures of lightsabers and shit on the set. Oh, yeah, of, uh, I remember that, yeah. What was that? Not Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Anyway, that's just yeah. a random. But that was the first actor transformation for a superhero movie, or really any movie, I would think so, because that was even before Raging Bull with they De Niro. Didn't, just didn't think about it, huh? Yeah, it's so weird to me. Yeah, but that, that that was the first time where the idea of like, hey, you can actually change your body for this role. I mean, women yeah. had to starve themselves every day of their fucking lives. Well, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but we're <laughs> we're talking about sad. <laughs> talking about guys. We're talking. Here. Well, we're also specifically talking about four roles. For a specific yeah, role, yeah, for yeah. a specific character. Yeah, Again, yeah, this yeah. is pre-Raging Bull, uh, where De Niro packed on the pounds for that. This is pre-Full Metal Jacket, when De- right. D'Onofrio did that. Like, This is the first time, and this is the first superhero actor transformation of that, too. Pre-Zachary Levi, Ben Affleck, all of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he goes from 170 pounds to 212 pounds. Damn, okay. So he definitely packed it on, and I think he's bulkier in the sequels. Too. Is he? Yeah. He's like oh, Hugh Jackman, more, where he, he just more time. He gets even more. Yeah, exactly. Hugh Jackman, dude. I wonder <laughs> because he is like fifty. Let's How just he, say he's got some Hollywood secrets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I like Jackman a lot, but just the age yeah. and how just how jacked he is. Yeah. Let's just say I wonder. Yes, indeed. I'll leave it at that. Indeed. So <laughs> we now have Donner. We have yeah. Christopher Reeve. Next is Lois Lane. And again, right. the audition, everybody. So, By the way, I want to give a little tidbit. I've been listening to this audiobook on Superman. Yeah. And apparently Siegel Schuster, I forget who it was. Mm-hmm. I keep for, I keep mixing them up. Anyway, he drew Lois as like curvier than most women at that time. Really? When, we, when we look at it, uh-huh. it's just looks like a woman looks like Lois Lois right. Lane. Yeah, yeah. But he liked I guess by those standards, like curvier women. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Hmm. This is before you know, if you talk to our parents' generation, like big butts weren't a thing. Yeah, body images of or the perception of that has all changed. Maybe boobs, from generation I think. to generation. Yeah, yeah, but like this is like the '30s, uh-huh. and he just he he drew her like curvier than what was normal in the late '30s. Uh-huh. So I don't know. If that probably didn't like apply to Margot Kidder, but I all. find that interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but yeah, no, they they wanted. They were auditioning for everybody, auditioning everybody for this, okay. uh, including Leslie Ann Warren, who had played Lois Lane in the Superman musical TV movie. So that okay. was interesting. Okay. Uh, they also they also ugh, they also auditioned Ann Archer, Deborah Raffin, Susan Blakely. Uh, Lynn Stallmaster felt that Archer and uh, Warren were too quote unquote glamorous for the role because she still has to be believable as somebody who isn't a supermodel. There's a down to earth kind yeah, of nature exactly, to exactly. Lois Lane. Yeah. Um, and then who another actress who was very close to it is Stalker Channing. Okay. So, uh, but Stallmaster figured maybe Donner wanted someone who was less confident. Lo- Lois Lane is generally written as a Metropolis native. She's born and raised. I think so. Yeah. She's like a diehard New Yorker kind of type. Very much a city girl. Yeah. 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 yeah on this. 
but I think what they wanted was just like how Superman has the contrast between Clark Kent and Superman. They wanted to show, hey, here's this really confident woman who is just sees Clark as just another co-worker and everything. Right. And doesn't let anything stand in her own way. And then here is this other side to her that's more vulnerable, that's in love. You know, fr- frankly, you know, that's all of us in some way. Can you read my mind? <laughs> yes. When that goes into her narration, it's kind of funny, but it, it works. We'll, it does we'll cover work. when why, how that came about okay. the, when we okay. get to that part of the movie. Can you read my mind? Uh, but Stonemaster said that Kidder had, quote, an offbeat quality and distinctive energy and interpretation of, of Lois and that vulnerability. Uh, so that was, they thought she was great. And when she met Donner, she literally trips when she comes into the room. Oh, shit. Supposedly, yeah. Um, and But Donner had so much fun talking to her, working with her, that he didn't even let have her finish the audition. He was apparently quote, ah, quote, in hysterics yeah. uh, about it. You're hired. Uh, but Kidder came in, for her, from her perspective, she's like, I'm not really sure what the hell this is. Superman's there, and he looks thin as fuck, because this is before <laughs> Christopher Reeve had bulked up. You got like 400 pages. Yeah. <laughs> You already spent I don't know six million. This. We haven't even shot a day. And <laughs> she was like, "How do I? How do I pull this off?" It was probably a mess. It probably it probably seemed like a, such it a mess. It was a mess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's like, "How do I pull this off?" And she thought to herself, "Look like you're in love with this stranger." And that's what pulled her through and got her that part. The love Lois story. Yeah, yeah, and became one make of the most love famous story right. names. Yeah. yeah, that's so, cool. Yeah, Margot Kidder gets on board. She is great. I mean, yeah. God, can you imagine anybody else at that time? She's so good. Yeah. No, exactly. Stonemaster yeah. says in the thing, like here are all the additions for the other actresses and you see them yeah. and they all kind of feel off partially because of the fact that we're so used to Margot Kidder's version. Right. That's so, true. There you go. Uh, so I wanted to skip ahead to go into the music because the music was one of the last things that come together and you don't really need to have anybody, you know, already set to do the Superman theme before the movie's made. Yeah. It's certainly after, huh? Right. But yeah. I want to say we almost did not get the Superman theme because okay. they did not originally have John Williams in mind. Who'd they have? Jerry Goldsmith, who had scored the Omen for Richard Donner. And, right. And he ended yeah. up doing the score for Supergirl, the Supergirl movie. Supergirl movie? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, but he had, there was this back and forth where they wanted Jerry Goldsmith, and Jerry Goldsmith eventually couldn't do it. So they're like, all right, John Williams, because Don, John Williams was Donner's other choice. Yeah, let's get that guy. And John Williams I guess is like, he'll be all right. great, great, I can do it. But then like the production kept going forward and forward, and John Williams is like, I can't do it. Oh, wow. And so they're just like, I guess we got to go back to Jerry Goldsmith, who's like, I'm available. So, again, that went back to Goldsmith until wow. there were more delays, and Goldsmith's like, I can't do it anymore. And they're wow, like, just scheduling issues. Yeah, and there's like, please, John Williams. And John Williams like, you know what? I, I got time. So, and then that's how I I wonder got, what, what cleared up his schedule. I don't know. Somebody uh, canceled on him, and he was like, ah, I'm well, going back to the Superman. I imagine it was Star Wars. Star Wars was 77. And then 79. 78 was... Uh, I know, but uh, uh, Empire was 79, I believe. It was 81. Was Empire 81? I think it was 81, yeah. Really? I don't, I don't think we got Empire. Maybe right? it was. In the 70s, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it was. But like, what I'm saying is that likely Williams was busy with Star Wars earlier. The reason why they yeah. wanted Williams was most likely because of Jaws, not because of Star Wars. Because Star Wars was 77. Right. They wouldn't right, have right. had time. Right to have like heard the score and be like, or maybe they would have because like the score came later, but still, right. Whatever the case is, we almost didn't get the iconic theme, and Donner considers that it's the only theme he's ever heard that orchestrates the title of the movie, which is interesting. Uh, Superman. Right. Once uh, he heard that, he's like, "This is perfect." Wow. So, it's a great little anecdote. And it does. It does fit. 
and Williams asked Tom Mankiewicz. It's still kind of the best. Uh, no offense to uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Hans Zimmer. I mean, that that's a really good one, though. Yeah, it does fit. It does no, fit it is, that movie, obviously. Is, yeah. But uh, but Williams asked. I guess for whatever reason, Tom Mankiewicz is around not only for screen tests but also for listening to these theme songs. So. They were treating Mankiewicz great at this time, but again, probably because he's partially part of the Hollywood lo- royalty. Oh, right, right, but right. But Williams asks Mankiewicz, what did you think? And Mankiewicz says, all I know is that the halftime show, the next Super Bowl, they're going to pro- probably play your theme for Superman. And they did, huh? And they did, yeah. Wow. So. <laughs> I mean, that was iconic as fuck, yeah, dude. People, exactly. I mean, released on Christmas Day, too? Shit. It was originally not going to be Christmas Day. Oh, really? It was supposed to be in June of 78, but because of delays, they kept delay. They, That's, they um, had to move it, it to Christmas. It does make sense yeah. because they want the summer blockbuster shit. I mean, yeah. well, I know summer blockbusters had just started, but 75 mm-hmm. Jaws, summer blockbusters become a thing. Three years pass of of that happening, yeah. so they're probably going for that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they were editing right up to the release date. There was no preview for the critics because there was no oh wow yeah that's how much they were under the wire that's crazy like apparently Donner uh, had fired the same editor like three or four times on this production because of how much they fought over the cuts that's why there's like multiple cuts of this movie apparently (laughs) is because of that a lot of directors will fight their editor because editors have a lot of power changes Mm -hmm. that changes the Editors are almost like a director, director part two. Yeah. Like it's, it's, are they above the line? I think they're above the line. Editors? Yeah, I would think so. And a lot of, a lot of terminology thrown out today, but, but yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they have a lot of power. So, uh, directors sometimes will fight with them. Yeah. yeah. As we've seen. So, yeah. uh, apparently it was 11 units, as I said, filming simultaneously across three continents. This is one of the biggest it's productions of nuts, all time. man. Yeah. It's all kinds, dude. I really want to know where the money is coming from. <laughs> We'll have to take a look. I mean, it's just it's a monumental amount mm-hmm. of money. It seems like that, though. However, is the story of how we got Superman the movie from 1978, and that is superhero stuff you should know. Boom, baby! Thanks, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of these uh, these anecdotes? I love it. Um, I mean, shit, man. You know. I, like I said before, I wasn't a huge Superman fan growing up. I mean, I liked him, obviously, but, you know, Batman was, you know, still, I guess, to this day, mainly my guy. But Superman, I something about Man of Steel, I know that sounds ridiculous to most people, but then I went back and, I'm go, you know, went through all the fucking the comics and the movies and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, something about it, man, I mean, Superman in general, not just this movie, but... Superman in general is kind of this like successful marriage of down home country apple pie America and sci fi. Uh You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's something, and of course, Greek mythology and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? And and Jewish mythology. I don't know what you want to call it. Christianity as well, yeah. Yeah, Christianity later on. Mm -hmm. And there's something interesting to me. Like, the main thing, other than powers... Well, powers are part of the sci-fi aspect. Mm-hmm. But the, the whole, like, it being, like, kind of a sci-fi hero mm-hmm. is one of the main differences between Batman. Batman being crime noir mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, of course, there's sci-fi aspects to him, especially his gadgets and shit like right. that. But, I don't know. I'm I'm just long-winded way to say I'm a big fan of Superman. I'm glad we're doing this. Um, of course, I love pop culture history. We all know that. And... Um, 
movie history, and mm-hmm. this is you know this is a big one. This yeah, is a big one. Exactly. So it's it's a fantastic start. I think like it's it's an insane story. That's why we had to devote the whole podcast to just this and how this was even made. Just the sheer luck and happenstance just to get John Williams' theme into this. Right. The not throwing out Christopher Reeve's headshot, Donner being right. how instrumental he is and how many times he nearly walked away. Like, so many things could have gone wrong. It's a Motley Crue kind of sounds like with a lot of money yeah. behind it. But it's, yeah, man. Yeah. It's great. I wondered, so did they shoot a shitload and kind of found it in the edit? Is that kind of how it seems? Yeah, because yeah, that's how there's so many scenes. Right. And plus, also they shot Superman the movie and Superman two simultaneously. That's how there's a Donner oh they did cut. at the same time. That's, oh yeah, that's how there's a Donner cut. Oh, right, right, right. Because right. Donner shot those alongside Superman the movie. It so must Hackman, wild. Hackman and Brando had shot their Superman and Superman two scenes all at once. That's crazy, but I mean yeah. it makes sense. Why yeah. not? Except Shit, of course Hackman man. was brought back for Superman two with Richard Lester to to redo those scenes, but still. Right, uh, and a lot of like, shitload of reshoots. Well, the reshoots were basically Richard Lester. Again, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the Josh Whedon. Yeah, it's the whole thing situation. over again. Yeah. It's always Warner Brothers, too. <laughs> well, in this case, it was actually the South Kinds who made that call. Oh, uh, okay. So, okay. Can't say it's completely Warner Brothers, but yeah. We'll, uh, Under their watch, though. True, true. <laughs> so, uh, on our next episode, we will go into everything you don't know about Superman the movie as we go through the movie in terms of behind the scenes stuff you might not have known as well as what was in the original scripts that did not make it on screen or weren't even filmed so love it i'm sad it's over ben (laughs) at least for this week yes indeed uh but we do have some fan comments to hold hold us over oh yes so i feel like you should read this one in a southern accent because spark again in 318 uh had a nice comment for us on our unlimited what Batman Returns script deep dive. Okay, man, I want you to know, I'm assuming you're a guy, <laughs> if, if, we, if we trust our YouTube analytics yes. anyway, uh, but uh, I am from the South, Georgia and Alabama, <laughs> so I hopefully I won't offend you because we're from the same area, probably. I'm such a big fan of y'all's page. Since, <laughs> since watching y'all version of the script, y'all tell it fully like it's a movie. <laughs> we actually watching while others tell half of it. I wonder, is this the version... Is this version is what they using as well in Matt Reeves' The Batman film as well as far as a concept with others? Who Thank knows? you, my man. We'll see. Thank you, though. Thank you, Spark Again in 3AT. Spark Again. For your compliments on us uh, guiding you through that script stuff. So <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, I also wanted to do a shout-out to Jeremy Harris, who has left two comments to us in previous episodes. Oh, shit. Keep the Superman deep dives coming. Or and the one before that was please do the deep dive episodes for all the Superman scenes. I think he meant movies. Okay, yeah. Well, but, they're coming. Well, they're here. So hopefully you enjoyed this one. So we'll uh, we'll hit you up on YouTube to make sure that you get a little bit of this. Just as the wholesome holidays are coming, such as Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Christmas, we get the wholesome boy himself. Yes. By the way, another trivia. Uh, Man of Steel, Man of Tomorrow. There was a, there's actually a shitload of, of them, but there's a third one that's probably the... It's like the Cape Crusader. They stopped using it a little bit. But people know Cape Crusader. Right. You know what the third one is? Is it Last on a Krypton? Uh, okay, maybe that's three, but what's four? This is sort of a deep cut. The Metropolis Marvel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you ever heard I that? I wonder why they stopped using that. No, I, I'd heard of it. Yeah, it's a little silly. It's just, but. It's just so like little used and plus like it probably got confusing with Captain Marvel yeah it's true with the Shazam yeah. stuff and then even more confusing once Marvel 
I just find it funny. That just, is funny, It's though. funny. Big Blue Soups. He's got a yeah. shitload of names, you know? He does, yeah. But, yeah, it's awesome. Okay. As always, I would like to thank Kukia Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B., Shamrock Balls, Aaron Willett, Ian H., Dan D., Leomo, and Super Inframan. <laughs> Please join the Shasta Army at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. Uh, we have a mini, mini a tier there. Most importantly, be the would be the five dollar tier in which Ben and I regale the listener with deeper dives and many things like that. Mm-hmm. That's a five dollar tier every week, by the way. Um, so yeah, you're not paying five dollars per episode. You're paying five dollars per month to get extra episodes. Yeah, it's about a dollar an episode, probably. probably. Well, a little something a little like that. that. Again, not great at math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Better language. Okay, so um, <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, please leave us a review in iTunes. And uh, the phone bumper, man, please. That's uh, We could use a few more of those. Um, Zach keeps sending us fucking send us a new one. 10 plus <laughs> A plus ones. We want you to be like Zach. Yes, please be like Zach. So uh, send us like a uh, you know funny voice or you know tell us how much you like the pod or something like a YouTube comment, or you know you're now listening to superhero stuff you should know, mm-hmm. and we'll put that in the podcast. You've listened to these before. It usually comes in right after the uh, the break. So uh, yeah, please send us that voice recording. Use your uh, voice recorder app. It's on your phone. You probably already have it. You didn't even know that. And then send that to the email superhousepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll and you can be on the show that way. So that'll be sweet. And then uh, I am Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. And please check us out on YouTube if you're not already. If you've been a podcast listener, which is awesome of course yes. mm-hmm. but you can also see us on youtube and uh it's basically the same thing but visual yes so <laughs> it's like what rogan does okay and then uh yeah basically that's it nice ben you can also check us out on instagram at superhero stuff pod you can also check out my instagram at ben Juan Ryder. and after that we will give you a little bit of a preview as i said next week we'll be Everything you don't know about Superman the movie. We'll be discussing all the script stuff that didn't make it in, at least that we know of. One of whom was by the uh, the Benz and Newmans, and the other one being by Tom Mankiewicz. So, make sure to check that out. This is Ben, signing off. This is Andrew, signing off. Krypton!
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 